0: That test is no joke
1: though. Oh, have you done it then?
0: Yeah, I had it done on Monday. I was, uh, we were we were feeling kinda of rough on Sunday and um we got it back negative but yeah it's uh they definitely tickle your brain a bit.
1: Well, hello FC Dallas curious fans welcome once again to 30 degree the podcast I'm Buzz Carrick Peter is not joining us tonight uh this is not a FC Dallas centric podcast today because the team is not playing due to their uh, overwhelming number of COVID-19 cases and their withdrawal from the Melissa's back tournament they will be playing again soon and we will get back to them when that happens but in the Short run, we have with us a special guest today, but first let me bring in one of our other usual members, our resident Englishman, our resident soccer educator and teacher, Dan Crick. Dan, how are you doing today, my friend?
0: Living the life, uh, that, that, that totally sheltered COVID life, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> we're all trying to stay away from the COVID. All right. Speaking of COVID, the reason we have on today's special guest is been he's been <laughs> dealing with the COVID in a larger sense. He's not sick. I'm not saying that. And that is the one and only owner of the Denton Diablos, Damon gokner Damon, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. Now, you were on the pod recently, uh, a couple months back, and so some people may be wondering why we're talking to you again, and there's a very, very specific reason that's going to come up very shortly. Um, but the last time we talked, uh, the, the NPSL season had been canceled, and you and I had a lot of discussion about um, the impact of COVID-19 on your team and on on mm-hmm. teams in the in the uh, lower levels of professional soccer. And since that time, you have and your team have become involved in something called the RoHa League. Yes, sir. Uh, that is replaced, well not replaced, but is filling the void of summer soccer and with SC Dallas not playing and North Texas Soccer Club not playing. It is in fact the only active pro soccer in this market. Uh why don't you said you, it, not me. Yeah. Why don't you give us some backstory about how that all came together and, and what you guys were hoping to accomplish with this Roja
2: League? Man, uh, you know, I'd love to say there was some huge glorious vision, but at the end of the day, we just wanted to play a little soccer. Um, we had a lot of guys that were ready to play for a lot of different reasons. You know, we had talked last time, Buzz, about our preparations for the U.S. Open Cup and everything that it entailed. So, um, and then we had also talked about we were still going to have a, a fair number of our collegiate players coming back over the summer. And so we had always talked about a couple different things. But um, at the end of the day, we looked up in uh, late May and as the first part of June, um, as the governor started to reopen the state and different. You know, phases of, of reopening came out, we thought that there might be the possibility that we could play some, some meaningful soccer, at least on a local level, this summer. So uh, myself and my, my co-owner and business partner on the Diablos, Michael Hitchcock, uh, who also is the majority owner of the Fort Worth Vaqueros, um, we started kind of noodling on, on what the potentiality could be, what the possibilities could be, and, and settled real quickly on, uh, on the Roja League. So uh, we, we took a little time, reached out to what we felt like were some worthy opponents that would help, you know, solidify the quality of soccer we want to play, but also add some unique flavor and, and bring some cool stories about spreading the game across the, the beautiful Metroplex that is Dallas-Fort Worth. Now, I know Dan has some questions, but why League? What does that name mean in terms of the Metroplex? Well, you know, that's a great question, you know, and it literally, it's just the red league. And for a lot of different reasons, um, we felt like this is a a very like red league, um, from a, from a standpoint of this is we're not playing at a normal time. So if, if we were green light, yellow light, red light conditions for moving forward in soccer and playing, this is red light by all means. So from our COVID protocols and our testing to the, to the literally weekly updates we get from our great governor, Greg Abbott and his plans for what we can and cannot do as as humans, um, we've had to adapt and it feels like for so many different reasons. And then beyond that, um, the Roja League and specifically the color red, you know, brings to mind the passion and the compassion. Uh, that's just required at a time like this. So, you know, we we looked at a lot of different possibilities, and uh, we were super fortunate to work with an amazing branding agency out of Fort Worth called The Star Conspiracy. And so, I wish I could tell you that I could take credit for any of the branding whatsoever, but other than the six teams that are involved, everything else is uh, 100% the product and the and the brainchild. Of the star conspiracy, and so we felt like the Roja League gave us a chance to identify something unique. Um, and it wasn't just another metropolitan league; it wasn't the Dallas Fort Worth League. It was the Roja League, uh, and we felt like that um, as a marketplace that that Dallas Fort Worth could uh, could get behind it and uh, and ultimately support it, which which they have with we've seen in attendance at every game.
1: Now, one of the things I wanted to applaud you on with uh, the choice of your branding here, and, and we don't get a deep discussion of branding, but in particular, I liked the fact that it wasn't overtly branded in terms of the pandemic and in terms of the, uh, uh, the stoppages and in terms of this disease. Not overtly anyway, there's a little bit of contention there, but um, you know, it allows you some versatility of perhaps using this brand going forward if, if you find some viable reason to hold some sort of summer tournament
2: again. Well, you know, in, in fall, spring, whatever it could be, um, that was absolutely a part of putting it together. You know, we uh, we had a lot of different discussions regarding branding, and there were a lot of literal representations that I'm sure could come to mind. Um, and you know what? If If things were different today than they are, maybe some of those would feel right. But ultimately, as we got closer to being able to announce it. It just didn't feel right to to tie ourselves in any strong way to the pandemic. I mean, there's no escaping the the reality of the situation, Buzz. We are playing in the RoHa League because of COVID nineteen and the impact it's had on the global landscape of soccer, let alone the NPSL and our in our backyard. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that we have to be uh, beholden to uh, that as a cause. That from you know unusual and and. Un, uh, you know, uh, demanding circumstances can come really, really cool innovation and really, really cool potentiality for future. So, you know, I would love to think that in three, four, five years from now, some iteration of the Roja League continues, uh, and and whatever that means and however it grows or or whoever else gets involved, I have no idea at this point. But we're open, uh, and we haven't excluded or precluded any possibilities thus far. Um, but we knew at the t- at the start that we needed a, a good group of local teams that would help. So, you know, I, I want to take a minute and just talk about beyond the Diablos and our organization. We have the Fort Worth Vaqueros involved. We also have Innocentes out of Fort Worth. Innocentes is an excellent side. They played in the UPSL National Championship, I believe, in 2018. Um, We also added uh, NTX Rayados. I think they kind of go without saying. Anybody that is familiar with FC Dallas knows and is familiar with the story of of Rayados through their Open Cup runs and through some of the scrimmages they've had with the FC Dallas first team. Uh, and then a new club that's kind of newer to the game, Irving FC. Um, we, we've been really impressed. We know a lot of their players. We know their coaching staff. Uh, and we knew they'd come in and, and have a solid organization. And they have. They've, they've put in some good results as well on the table. Um, so we have essentially six teams. Uh, and then, Buzz, you and I have talked about this. But we've done, a, we've done a poor job this year of really telling a lot of the cool stories of the stuff we're working hard on behind the scenes over in Denton. Um, but one of those is Estudiantes. Estudiantes. So beyond our our Diablos team, which is our primarily our U.S. Open Cup roster, um, we also have a, a, a an additional team. I hesitate and refuse to use the word second team or anything to give a connotation less than because the uh, the kids is they're colloquially referred to by everybody in the organization. The kids are good and uh, they currently sit second in the table and have you know and and gave the Riados a really really good game. Uh, I believe last Wednesday night. So. Estudiantes is our essentially what we what we call our, our collegiate team. So it, it gives us a place to to bring in college athletes, not have any concerns with eligibility or anything that could potentially violate that. So we can set everything up and run it as such. Uh, and then it gives us a home for the Diablos to potentially look at whatever the future steps for both the, the first team or the 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 main team, top team, whatever you want to call it, um, as well as you know whatever steps for for progression to other leagues.
0: Uh, we'll definitely uh you know talk about the those next steps, but you mentioned innovation and one of the the things I was really impressed with uh, going to the games on on saturday um you know you've been very uh very proactive in in uh, like limiting the number of fans so that you know proper social is adhered and everyone's wearing the face masks um but it was it was great to see like the van there uh, doing the on the spot COVID testing for the players. Especially when, you know, we've seen FC Dallas have to exit the MLS bubble and NISA's Cup as they've just kind of said, Hey guys, figure it out we don't really have anything. <laughs> so you know, what what was the process for, for coming up with the protocol for fans and players? It was a lot of open ears and open eyes. So, you know, this
2: is I, I kind of I kinda of joke with everybody that we've all had to get a, a minor in epidemiology real quick, right? Um so by no means am I a medical professional, but now I'm being forced to develop medical or at least, you know, come up with and get certified and find smarter people than myself to help guide us through the development and creation of a safe return to play protocol that we, A, felt good about. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Buzz, and at the end of the day, Dan, I have, and you see them there, my wife and my kids, like this this league and this team is, is about family time for us as much as it is about soccer or opportunity or any of the other stuff. That happens outside of my family, but um, so the last thing I want to do is is create a situation where I'm putting my greatest assets and the most important thing in my life at any type of risk. So to your point, we've spent a considerable considerable amount of time and energy and effort to consult all the right people. So local officials with Denton County Health Department, state officials. Um, trying to reach out to as many of those uh, the state the Texas State Health Department and any protocols there. Working with U.S. Soccer, looking as well at other leagues. So we looked at the you know the U.S.L. protocols that came out with. We looked at the M.L.S. protocols that have been shared. And then ultimately we sat down with with doctors and and you know what we felt like we're smart epidemiologists in the area. So you know you alluded earlier we absolutely could not have. Come back safely in our minds without the help of Inspect IR. Inspect IR had been working on breathalyzer technology for recreational drug use and for um, medical drug use to test for all kinds of workman comp cons- uh, um, claims and things of that nature. And so when the pandemic came out, they started to quickly shift and pivot their technology. Uh, and they're actually working with FDA to get the clinical trials approved so they can get approval through the FDA. But it's been absolutely pivotal that they've had a, a, a massive presence for um, every week to get our players screened, properly screened, and to make sure that we're have some sort of system in place to try to limit the spread and try to identify and try to prevent uh, you know an early return and all those things.
1: How pivotal was uh, the facilities? Uh, oh. management in terms of being able to pull off this testing and pull off these events I mean I, I imagine there has to be some good control of crowd access or something and 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 places to have this testing done was that an important aspect
2: yeah you know so venues in and of itself was a whole nother consideration right so just trying to find places that would allow us the right and the, uh, ability to, to hold soccer matches was, was an absolute Herculean task. And, and we go through this every year, not owning our own facility, um, where are you know, we're forced every year to find a place to play, but this has been an absolutely, you know extraneous situation so just getting a venue to allow us to play but then to your point buzz to find the right venue that gave us the staging that gave us the right access control that gave us the right ability to to kind of get things done the way we needed to and then getting players to to help us as well uh so making sure that we have our guys um you know dialed in and showing up at the right time and everybody on the same page from all the management and all the different teams has been crucial as well
1: Let's go back, if you don't mind, to yep. uh, Estudiantis. I want to explore that idea a little more. Yep. Um, you've explained a little bit that uh, they're basically going to be the college-eligible players because, and, and you correct me if I'm incorrect about this, but it, um, if you use pro, semi-pro kind of players in the same team with the college players, that's where you get a conflict, is it not, where you can run into problems correct. for your student-athletes? Correct. Correct. Um, so there's an important it, distinction there. Once you guys decide is. you need some players like that because of your bookup cup thing, it sort of drove this creation of a s- second team. Um, so if you talk a little bit about that, then also if you'll talk a little bit about uh, why you chose to sort of have it be like a, an extra name on your current Diablos brand and not like a completely different brand or even just a, uh, I don't even know what the options would have been.
2: Yeah, no, that, those are great questions. So first and foremost, why Estudiantes? We knew that with the creation of the Open Cup or having to have the Open Cup roster that we were going to need 22 to 25 guys to be really ready to go and try to have any significant realistic shot at advancement. Um, But we knew that we were going to leave five or ten of our, you know, really most talented. I don't want to say most talented, but we were going to leave some really talented players out of our previous years Diablo squad um, unable to continue to play with us over the long term. And we didn't necessarily feel great about that. Um, And we also knew that, our intention and goals are to be playing meaningful soccer on a more year-round basis, whatever that looks like, not in, limited to, but including the U.S. Open Cup as the Open Cup continues to most likely expand as the number of lower league teams continue to expand. So this problem of ha- needing an Open Cup roster in March and then having college players around May through August and then potentially needing some some players for the fall isn't going to disappear. Um, and then to your point, you know, we, we knew that um, long term, we, I want to be able to explore the possibility of rewarding and compensating some of the players that deserve it, um, whatever that means. And so last year's paradigm and the way that we structured it wouldn't allow us to do that. And so, you know, the landscape of lower soccer continues to evolve. Two years ago, NISA wasn't an option. Today, NISA is an option. Who knows what's going to present itself in another two to three years. We want to continue to create a structure that allows us to stay extremely flexible and adapt and pivot where needed, but also to uh, provide the right opportunities and stay true to the the core mission of what the Diablos are. So that comes back to why Estudiantes, why not a second brand? Um, you know, part of it is we felt like we had a really great logo with the arms crossed Diablo uh, that was going relatively unused or not utilized enough. Uh, the other part was is as we had bigger conversations and Buzz, we've kind of talked about this offline. Some is that a Estudiantes really students goes all the way down, and so when we look and, and talk about long term potentially with the academy development and my goals there, a Estudiantes really could then start to be the the pinnacle. For an entire youth club system that starts at the U6, U8 level. So as soon as you hit student, then you join a Estudiantes, or we have a place for you to become involved. So um for all those reasons. And then the other I mean, the reality behind that too is is adding a second team. Um, really wasn't as herculean of the task just because of the number of players that we had to start with. We had nearly 40 players rostered in some way, shape, or form uh, in our first year just trying to kind of put it all together. And then we're in the fortunate position of every year These three academies around us in FC Dallas, the Texans, and Solar, turn out great players. Um, And some of those and a lot of those don't get signed to homegrown deals, and they go to college and play. And then those guys graduate from college, and they look for their next opportunity after that. And not all of them are going to catch on at the USL 1 or USL championship level. Um, So there's just this really unique position that we sit in where we're at the nexus of an amazing pool of talent A really, really great engaged community, and really kind of unlimited potential for growth in that regard.
0: When we spoke uh, after the game the other day, uh, you know, the topic of a partnership with FC Denton come up, uh, particularly in regards to creating those opportunities for for players to you know play for FC Denton, graduate up through potentially estudiantes, and then and then Diablos. Um, You know, how did that all come together? Carlos is a
2: great guy. We've known Carlos uh, essentially since the I started formulating the idea of an NPSL team in Denton. So I was, you know, absolutely acutely aware that I wasn't going to be the only team in town. So I reached out, and Carlos will will confirm. I reached out to him before we even announced the team. Started talking to him about what he had done, his efforts, what his vision was for his club, to make sure that you know the last thing. I tell you guys this, you know, Denton is my home. I have a business there. I graduated from North Texas. I live in Lantana, which is Southern Denton County, just six miles away. Like we spend every date night in Denton. I'm in Denton every day of my life. So the last thing I want to do is, is, is not be appreciative and respectful of those who have come before me and laid the groundwork in a lot of ways and on our team today we had last night for the diablo's uh ricky pierce scored the the first goal which was a blistering shot he played for fc denton um in a previous i believe a year or two years ago we had two or three other guys that start for us uh, for the Diablos uh, on the Open Cup roster that have played for FC Denton at some point in the past. So the reality is is that um, not all kids are going to follow the traditional development pathways, and there's going to be really good talent that comes up through and only plays maybe high school soccer in Denton, or maybe only doesn't or doesn't even play high school soccer, or doesn't play at any meaningful level. Um, and there's a reason why there's a such a large number of teams in between the NTPSA Open Division. And the three, four divisions of UPSL, all the way up into including into the NPSL. That's a, that's a, there's a lot of teams. And when you look at the map, I believe it's around 30 or 40 total UPSL, NPSL, above um, a pure amateur status league um, like the NTPSA, just in Dallas, Fort Worth. So, Dan, I'd be absolutely remiss if I didn't invest in the relationship with Carlos Alate and FC Denton, and I didn't invest with any other club or youth academy or anybody else in Denton or north of us or around us that wants to support our vision and goal. And at the end, listen, I I created the Diablos so that young men would have an opportunity to pursue the game at a level that I did not and I would have absolutely dreamed loved to have the dream of this same opportunity 20 years ago when I stepped away from collegiate soccer. I also do it selfishly so that my son then will have potentially an opportunity in the same way, right? Um, Carlos Alate and everybody else that starts a club does it for those same reasons. NTX Reados, so they have their youth academy, Irving FC, Gilbert Mendoza and Eduardo over there, great guys. They have a very big vision of what, the way how they want to change uh, soccer in the Irving area. Everybody's got a lot of the same initiatives. So I'd be totally remiss if I wasn't open to those opportunities and partnerships. Now you mentioned that um, you know you have the six
1: teams in this Roja League. and uh, mm-hmm. I know Dallas City is not functioning right now, but was there anybody that you – when you're putting this together, anybody you reached out to that you lament not
2: getting, like, man, we really wanted to get so and so and just couldn't pull yeah. it together or No, yeah. I mean, listen, we wanted Dallas City. We did. I absolutely I reached out to Jacob DeGreen multiple times and for a lot of different reasons they couldn't make it happen. I understand that. It's hard. And if you didn't have the open cup, then you don't have some of those other reasons. Um, we had reached out to Foro, you know, and, and tried to have some conversations with them. Ultimately we just couldn't make it happen. Foro is a great team. They played in the UPSL national championships in two thousand nineteen. So You know, I want – my guys know, and I tell my family and and everybody that knows me knows that you be the best or you potentially try to find your best by going out and playing the best you can. And we didn't create the Diablos to go play the worst teams that we could find and just try to pad our scorebook. We created it so that young men would get absolutely sharpened and ready – for their next step and their next, and, and their next role in, in, in their soccer journey. So, you know, our guys that played in the league last year for us from a collegiate perspective went in and had some amazing seasons. Midwestern went the furthest they've ever had, and we had five or six of their guys last year play with us in some capacity. You know, Harris Partain was offensive player of the year at Tulsa, and he played for us and uh, is now playing with us again this year. So we know that what we do has a huge impact. And
0: so, uh, yeah, absolutely. And definitely, like you say, it's it's great to have that competitive edge of of it. The uh, the game against Fort Worth was a, you know, real fantastic uh, competitive game. It wasn't like a lot of the preseason walkthrough soccer that we've seen um, really everywhere um, as as players are kind of. You know, tiptoeing back into it. Um, but you know, you, you're talking about like building up to the open cup and that. I mean, what does, uh, with no league season for, for MPSL in 2020, what does 2021 potentially hold? That is a. Amazingly good question that I have
2: absolutely no idea. We're going to get to essentially the 1st of August and get through the Roja League and feel really good about that and then start to have some real earnest questions or conversations, excuse me, with uh, Paul Marsteller and the staff at the US Open Cup to find out what are they talking about. Um, and then as well with the NPSL uh, and and the rest of the teams that are that are in the Roja League to see what their plans are. If UPSL doesn't have a fall season, if NTPSA doesn't have a fall season, if we don't have meaningful games to stay sharp with outside of um, what we can put together, then there exists an opportunity to to kind of go back to work and and see what we can put together. So 2021, you know, if we don't play the Open Cup in 2020, we've been given indications that that would mean we would have a spot in the 2021 Cup. So I would assume that would mean um, an early February, March, April start, for the hundred, however many teams would then be requalified for the Open Cup. Um, we've already had some preliminary conversations with the league about resuming to to play as normal for 2021 uh, NPSL season. We will not be playing in the 2020 NPSL Members Cup, which is kind of their fall season, if you will, um, for a, a bunch of different reasons, mostly financial, mostly logistical. Um, I created a, a, a lower division soccer club to. to create something sustainable and if i got to fly guys all over the country or if we got to drive and bus all over the country then it's going to get outside of my limited pool of resources real quick so we're always very cognizant and hyper hyper focused on controlling travel costs and things of that nature so you know the roha league fits in well the npsl fits in well with mostly texas travel you know we're open to any of those things, and and we're approached about the NISA Independent Cup initially, um, and a lot of the initial conversations around that were, were around a very tournament centric approach, almost kind of like the bubble that the MLS did, um, with a period of time in a set specific location, and that raised a bunch of financial concerns around housing players, feeding players, taking care of travel expenses, and unanticipated costs that you know are going to arise. So. For all those reasons and more, I have no clear clue what 2021 is going to look like. It could look a lot like this year. And if it does, that's okay. We, uh, I, I know this. If the state of Texas will allow us to gather and play adult recreational, semi-pro, or professional sports with or without fans, we will be seeking to do that.
1: Forgive me for not knowing the answer to this question, but sure. where are we with the year-round NPSL thing league whatever that was that got dropped on you guys like a bomb what what happened with that i mean that's a great question (laughs) Buzz.
2: no that's a great question man you know i wish i could say that i've been extremely impressed and thoroughly um overwhelmed and happy with how my league has handled a lot of the different decisions and specifically the communication around those decisions so you know unfortunately i'll find out once they release the next round of information most likely As it is today, (laughs) I believe there's only four teams in the Members' Cup. And they always had this graduated, they were going to, or members, whatever it is, they were going to have this Members' League this fall. And then we were going to have our normal spring season next year. And then fall of 2021 was when we were supposed to get like a real concerted effort. But, you know, for us, for NPSL, I I look to my Lone Star Conference mates. And uh, the reality is, is that Midland, uh, Odessa, the soccers, they're, very much a usl2 team in their approach they bring a lot of players in and house them and it's they have a really Great program and a great team, but they're not set up to play year-round by any means. The Laredo Heat have a year-round presence, and their U19, U23 team plays in the UPSL, so they're not super interested from the initial conversations um, we've had about exploring other avenues. So we, we start to get to the same place of who wants to play in the fall. Does it make sense? How does it make sense? What does that league or that regional competition look like? Um and then does it financially make any sense at all for us to be involved? So does that make sense? Is that fair? Yeah, yeah.
1: So what it's then tough. what then is the uh the Damon dream scenario, the dream future uh with with if you can get everything you want, facility,
2: league, yeah. No, team. okay, what, yeah. What, so what's the dream? The dream is, is that everybody comes over in the next few weeks and parties with me, enjoys a cold beverage. <laughs> you can buy it to go from Eastside, which is right across the street from 201 North Austin Street, which is the Diablos team shop. So the first step, like in a pandemic, I'm super proud that A, we put together a league and B, we opened up a team store. Like show me anybody else that's hiring and growing and trying to grow their backyard in this environment. And I will gladly buy them a beer because I haven't heard many stories of it. I know our buddies down the street are looking at furloughing staff again, and our buddies over in Arlington, you know, with the Rangers just furloughed a bunch of staff. So it's it's a crazy world, but yeah. So we got a team store opening, 201 North Austin Street. We're super excited about what that means, um, both for the club and the community, and then some plans that we have built around that. So we'll do a whole episode about how we're gonna use soccer and soccer shoes and balls and equipment to help fund uh kids that can't play and and try to fund our own youth academy which is a super cool awesome idea but then bigger than that buzz long term man i want to work with the city of uh the city of denton to find the right home for us as a facility i think it's imperative and i've learned in the last two years nothing is going to have more of an impact over our long-term financial future as well as the impact we can make with the community um, if we can't have more control and or own our own facility. So, um, from a, for a lot of different reasons, we've spent some time and energy investing in that and talking to the appropriate leadership to see how we can make that dream come true. Uh, and then from a league perspective, man, you know, I'm a dreamer, buddy. I didn't, uh, I didn't get in this thing just to, to make money. Everybody knows that we, we do our best to try to just break even at best. Um, but most of the time we're still bringing a pretty penny to the table. I want to see this team and my club go as high as we can possibly go, and I have absolute faith that one day the the mire that is the organization of U.S. soccer will get figured out, and there will be a pathway for us to meaningfully progress up a ladder. Um, without me just going and getting another, you know, at the end of the day, like, let's be real. And if if people don't realize this, then I think it's worthy of saying if we wanted to play in the USL two or the USL one, um, we wouldn't, the USL one might be an issue, right? Because I think that's where NTSC is. Um, but USL championship wouldn't be as much of an issue. So the USL, they have no love for, dominions or respect for territories or anything of those it's about having investment and money and if you have those two things going for you then ultimately you can get wherever you want to go That's not the way I want to do it. So we've been approached by investors uh, potentially about trying to help us get to NISA, trying to get us to immediately go to USL2 or to look to USL1 or championship to try to look at. And at the end of the day, that's just not necessarily the core of who we want to be. I want to earn and I want to build and I want the club to be sustainable each and every step of that way. Um, And if we can get a stadium and we can get some of these other pieces facility wise, then it absolutely makes sense to start talking about looking at things in a bigger in a bigger uh, picture.
1: Now, I'm glad you brought the store up because uh, for you that your store is in Denton, your downtown. uh, One hundred percent on the square.
2: Right. We are in the uh, second oldest building in Denton County. Our building is constructed of the bricks used to construct the very first brick building in Denton County. Super cool. So yeah, the brick walls in our store are from 1890. The brick was fired in 1874 and used in the construction of the original Denton courthouse. Some of the other cities
1: I've traveled all around with my real job and I've been to other cities where teams have team stores downtown. Now, one thing I've been critical of with FC Dallas is that while they do have stores at Frisco at their stadium, they do not have a downtown presence. Now, of course, downtown Dallas is not necessarily full of people all the time. But, um, so there are some of those other locations that I've been, and and sometimes I think, uh, the the concept of what I call what I would call from business call a loss leader. Now, maybe mm-hmm. you don't want your store to be a loss leader, but at some at the same time, as you say, if it can break even, you know, maybe there's something to be achieved there beyond just The fact that i'm going to make money maybe there's a bigger picture sort of tack and for me like having that downtown presence that urban presence whatever you consider your urban core to be i think there's a key element there with having a merch store with having people there selling stuff it being available during the week when people are on their lunch breaks or people are have just left work or whatever it would be I think there's a FC Dallas, I think is missing out on that. And I was really glad to see you guys try and take advantage of that.
2: No, you're absolutely right. And I'll tell you this, regardless of if and when we get a stadium or wherever it goes, I think to your point, you're going to have a hard time getting me out of the space we're in ever for any reason. Like I love the space so much and it does so much for for anchoring us. Like I've I've said it a bunch of times, you know, we had a club and we had a home in Denton, but we didn't really have a home and we do now. Like I can't wait to go win our first championship potentially maybe the Chisholm Trail Classical Belt playing this weekend, July 18th. Get your tickets now at the Roja League, -league Com. But we needed a place to put that. My mantle at home doesn't feel fitting, but the team store amongst our jerseys with our fans, um, you know, a place where we can broadcast our own, uh, interviews and we can create our own content from a place where we can host, you know, youth events and bring coaches in and do coaches clinics from a place that, you know, right out of the bat, I'm going to have both of the teams in and different events, um, and have dinner and have barbecue catered. And so just some things like that, you're right. That otherwise we couldn't do without that space. Um, and then at the same point, like, You know where we're at. We're so lucky that that um, Denton supports their own. But from a foot traffic perspective, the Denton the Denton Square uh, is one of the most heavily foot trafficked places in all of Denton County. So you've got a quarter million people just within six miles of downtown Denton. uh, And you've got people coming from all over Denton County that come to the square to hang out, to grab a burger at LSA, to go shopping, to get candy at Atomic Candy. Um, And so having a presence right there on the square across the street from our number one sponsor and my favorite bar in the entire world, Eastside, is literally a dream come true for the club.
0: I'm definitely going to agree with you on uh, on number one bar in the world. I love Eastside. If I didn't live in Addison, I'd be there all the time. Um, but like you say, it, it's it's a such a great location. You've got, um, you know, you've got all that foot traffic, at, like you say. And it's it's rare that I go up to Denton these days. But the last time I think was, or I've, one of the last times was for the uh, the little jazz and art festival. Mm-hmm. and you're right and you're right next to that parking lot where everybody parks and yep. it's it's such a great thing to see to see that branding sort of right there that's that's always been um that's always been a thing with FC Dallas FC Dallas's branding you can stick it right in somebody in front of somebody's face one they're going to no not going to know what it is and and two you're not going to see it around enough uh, you know um advertising and stuff's always been an issue with them and and where they choose to advertise so so definitely getting it on the square, by all the apartments, by all the bars. That's, that's such a fantastic, uh, fantastic thing. Um, what I did want to do is actually, you know, you talked about having the Trism, Chism Trail Classico belt potentially in the store. Uh, the 4-1 win over over Vaquero's last week. Uh, you know, a fantastic game to watch. Uh, just wanted to get you, you know, see what your thoughts were on it.
2: I feel like... Um... It was like it was like falling asleep in the middle of a good dream, and I woke up, and right now I'm in between, and so I'm hoping I get to fall back asleep in like three days. That's that's kind of where I'm. I mean, it it, it it was all those things and so many more. We have been haunted by the Vicaros in so many different ways um, because they're a great club and, and they do things the right way and they got a lot of quality players, and so to uh, to see the results and the and the soccer guards start to smile on us a little bit. Um, last Saturday night was huge. And uh, I know the guys are, are feeling confident um, with the result, but also totally measured and understand that we, we need a second result. And we'd really like to, you know, here's here's the funny part, you know. Um, and as a, as a club, the Diablos are now one in three against the Vaqueros, But our goal differential is even, which is pretty crazy. Um, so... I'm I'm super excited about the possibility of of finally taking meaningful pictures and having meaningful conversations, um, or at least meaningful you know um, conversations with the team about hosting the first championship trophy. But I realize we got a long way to go, and Saturday night's going to be a really tough game.
0: It's it's kind of funny. I, I was standing near you when you were doing the broadcast, and you know when you scored the first goal, I heard you say. This is the first time the third time that we've taken the lead against uh against vaqueros don't get too excited just yet and uh despite the the score line, i mean it was it was a really close game, I think you know fort Worth maybe uh were caught out in the midfield and made some adjustments a little bit too late, so we it, would, it would, you know i would definitely recommend anyone to uh to either you know go down to martin field in fort Worth or to to catch either at a team broadcast cause it's fantastic to see both teams able to do that.
2: Yep, and we'll be doing the same thing again this weekend. We'll be broadcasting both games live uh, on Facebook, so on the Vaquero's Facebook feed, on our Facebook feed. And I think you're absolutely right. While last Saturday the score got a little uh, imbalanced, if you will, I think moving forward, um, and specifically on Saturday night, you're going to see a really, really closely contested game. We've played three other times, and every time it was separated by one goal or less. And the last time we played before Saturday was nine rounds of penalties to decide the winner. So... You know, it was an anomaly for the series, um, but I expect nothing but an absolute dogfight on Saturday night.
1: Well, Damon, good luck in your battle for the Chisholm Trail Classico. Uh, I'll say to you here that I hope you win it. I'm sure when I talk to Hitch, I'll tell him I hope he wins it. That's as well. You should. should. (laughs) But thank you for coming on and giving us some of your time. I know you're a busy man. We appreciate the discussion. We really wanted to hear about uh, how you guys put your league together and the COVID stuff, because, you know, that's top of everyone's mind that right now. So thanks again for joining us. And we we really appreciate it.
2: No, I appreciate you guys having me on. I appreciate the role that you play in the uh, and the platform that you provide. Humble lower league soccer owners like myself. So thank you for the job you do uh, spreading the the word about the beautiful game.
1: Well, we're we're big believers in supporting local soccer, and we're and we're glad that you guys are playing right now because it gives us something to cover and write about. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast on uh, from Third Degree. And thanks again for Damon for joining us. If you like what we do here on thirddegree.net, whether it's the podcast or the website or anything we do on Twitter or Instagram, you could support us at patreon.com slash thirddegree. Dan, once again, my friend, thanks for being on. Thank you. And thank you, SC Dallas Curious fans, for tuning in. And we'll be seeing you next week. Thomas